Okay. Alright, this is a check, check, one, two, one, two, it's your mother and this is the podcast. Alright, welcome to the Highlight Hub Podcast Football Show. I'm the guy, Joey. And I'm the other guy, Elric. Alright, so I guess a little intro. I hope I'm talking into the mic here because for some reason it won't let me monitor the sound. But that's what you get when you're working with shoddy recording equipment. Oh, sorry. All right. That yeah, too. start over. Whoa! <laughs> All right. So we both used to play football for many years. This isn't like uh, two uh, turkeys coming up trying to talk turkey. You know what I mean? We're talking football, not turkey. But... <laughs> I played football for about 15 years, starting in house league up through university. I played at York University for five seasons. How about you, pal? I uh, I played football for 10 years, also starting in house league and uh, made it up to university level at McMaster, and I, I would have gone pro too if it wasn't for the knee surgeries. Oh, those <laughs> damn knees. They're the worst. Um, so yeah, we both played football for a long time. Elric has a health background. What's your actual degree? So my degree right now, I'm, I'm in grad school. I'm looking at cerebrovascular physiology. So brain blood flow stuff. It gets the blood pumping, I guess, quite literally. Um, I took professional writing. A lot of people don't know what it is. It's essentially journalism. York's a weird school. We have a nine-point grading scale. It's a hippie weirdo time. They go on strike every two years. I still think it's a front for Israeli weapon manufacturers, but that's for another day. (laughs) That's for the conspiracy podcast. Yeah, dude, there's actually some weird... We're going to get into that one day. There's some some connections to the Clintons. Hillary's listening right now. We're probably going to get shut down, but who knows? Um... (laughs) I think we're peaking a lot on the thing, and it's really annoying. I'm peaking, but I just dropped acid. So. Oh! So. Uh, yeah. Let's Kidding. Get, out of, get Kidding. out of here, Dennis Leary. Kidding. It's a good Harvard joke. Um, so, yeah. So, I took writing. I have some experience. I'm trying to step into the, the sports journalism. No, I hate sports journalism. It's the worst thing ever. It's literally all about creating drama between people but i mean hey tom brady if you're listening we're not trying to start anything i think you're great keep it coming but uh oh, that's the worst we're gonna have to cut that out <laughs> yeah. i'd also like you to cut out some of the things i've said so the far. acid yeah, the the immigrant. Immigrant yeah. Oh, that was good we're gonna keep that one in there i don't think so uh, we'll see um yeah i remember one time i was having dinner at our good pal Zen and Circo's family. I shouldn't even say the name. I'm going to beep the name. But we're having dinner at a friend's <laughs> house. And this was right before we were going to university. And Zen and ugh, beep guy X name. He's a really smart guy. And he went to Western for like medical sciences and then came out the other end and became like an investment banker and now he works for like a <laughs> hacking company the guy's a genius so i'm like his dumb friend walking in here and he had all of his aunts and uncles over and we we're just stopping in and out because i forget where we were going we're probably going to hang out with you somewhere but um his family 
because they're like, oh, you guys are going away to university. Like, that's so sad. You guys are probably going to miss each other. And someone was like, oi, Jay, what are you going to school for? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to York for professional writing. And this lady, like, Botoxed face and everything's like there cutting her food at the dinner table. And she turns and she goes, you better, better marry rich, honey. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know you, lady. But uh, she was right. And, so. that's, and that's what you did. You uh, found a lady with a good job. I'm engaged. Yeah. She swept me right off my feet. It's great. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I guess that's enough of it. Enough of an intro. So now... Time for the recap. Set it! We're going to work that, on that. Yeah, that's the sting. We're going to work on it. <laughs> We're going to work on this thing. All right, so... Cue the music. Well, I'm going to add the music Yeah, this later. is where it gets put in in post. Yeah, exactly. Post-production. Brought to you by Post Serial. Um, and posts. Outside. Postmates. All right. Um, so, okay, I guess we should also talk about it. I'm not ever going to be objective. I'm realistic about my team and how bad they are, but I have been a Cleveland Browns fan my entire life. Get out of here with the bandwagon stuff. You know it. I know it. Browns for life. You're a Chargers guy. Yeah. Back since LT. Antonio Gates and the Sean Funky Merriman bunch. lights out. Lights out, baby. Doing that weird thing. Steroids. What's Never up? forget the Mad TV skit. Yeah, Bobby Lee. He's the best. Um, but yeah, so I'm a Browns dude, but I'm realistic about them. Last year, when all the trades went down, ever like. I had some of my friends being like, oh man, the Browns are going to win the division this year. I was like, no chance it's going to happen. I didn't personally, I mean, up until yesterday, I thought the Odell trade was the worst thing ever. I thought we gave up way too much on the offensive line. I thought, I still think Olivier Vernon was a bad pickup and his contract is too big. But regardless, I'm realistic about the Browns is what I'm saying. But so first things first, yesterday the Browns, took on the Cowboys, beat them 49-38. to 38. It was a crazy day. Um, Baker had a solid showing, good pass rating. I think he had like a 91 pass rating again, or it might even have been 100. Um, they had 300-plus yards rushing. Odell had three touchdowns, crazy 50-yard end around to seal the deal. And Dak Prescott went off, but I think more than anything that everyone's talking about today, more than the Browns being three and one for the first time since 2001, is how bad the Cowboys' defense is. The defense and the the amount of turnovers they have in the first half is just obscene. Yeah. And, and I honestly like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Garrett was a better coach for this team than McCarthy is. Yeah, it's weird because it's kind of like. I mean, I feel like there's a couple scenarios like that in the NFL where it's like, you know, you break up with your girlfriend and then you see her out, but you're with an absolute dog and, you know, she went on and did bigger and better things. Mike McCarthy's Uh, a dog compared to Jason (laughs) Garrett is what I'm saying. Which is weird because if you asked me before the season, I would say Garrett's the dog. You For know? sure. I mean, physically, Mike McCarthy is Chinderella, but that's a whole other story. I mean, I like me a big one. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to have to get that drop going. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Nick Chubb, I think they just came out and said he has an MCL sprain, so that's going to be 
potentially six weeks. I got him on my fantasy team. He was my keeper from last year. Third round pickup. It's pretty good. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's called a value <clears throat> pick right there. But um, yeah, so we got the Brownies at three and one, and that whole division is stacked though. Like the AFC North is. I mean, yeah, even the Bengals are like a. a- Good team. Like, they've played everyone they've, like, very close with Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that first game, um, the Cincy-Cleveland game, was that the Thursday nighter in the second week? Yeah. Yeah. He looked so comfortable compared to, like, most guys that come into the league, and that's been, like, a running theme. All the rookies coming in, I know we haven't seen Tua play yet, but, you know, moving on to San Diego, like, Justin Herbert looks so comfortable already. There's a little bit of the happy feet thing going on, which is normal when you're facing an NFL pass rush. And, you know, as a Chargers fan, I can say the offensive line is horrible. Mm-hmm. So for him to be able to stand in there and make throws when his pocket is collapsing every play, like, it, it's impressed the hell out of me for a rookie quarterback to just be... So confident in where his receivers are going to be and his arm talent. And, you know, his his arm is so live that he doesn't need to step into throws. And I think that's helped him a lot right. with this terrible offensive line we've got. But Yeah, it kind of looks like Josh Allen in his rookie year a little bit already. With just like he's a big, you know, Colin Coward's favorite term when describing Sam Darnold. Trunky. trunky. Um, but, you know, we were talking about... We need about a trunky drop button, too. Trunky. <laughs> Chunky? That's a that's a chocolate bar, right? Yeah. Yeah. We could we'll, close enough. Well, we'll we'll scowl some commercials and <laughs> we'll get the drop. But, um, but yeah, like Justin Herbert, great arm, great at evading pressure. Like that's the thing when you watch him, you can't really tell that they have a garbage O line because he's making things happen. Like versus Baker, which I posted a little blog post today. You can check it out on. HighlightHubFootball.wordpress.com. We haven't connected the URL yet because we haven't committed fully to this thing. But um, it's like one thing I wrote about was how, like, the Browns have a good offensive line this year, but I think he's still shell shocked from last year. So a lot of the time, like, the Browns' offensive line, they're fanning out the pass rush really well and they're giving him a good lane like a good couple lanes in the middle of the field to step up in and that's what he needs that was their biggest concern because he's a short guy it's like everyone was like oh how is he even going to be able to see over the line well it's like now when he's getting that opportunity okay it's probably picking up the truck outside but whatever um (laughs) now it's like Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin are picking up and fanning out. You know, yesterday, Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith, they're giving him all this space in the middle of the field where he could literally, like, walk and get a first down or step up and make a pass downfield. Instead, he's doing the rollout thing, and he's not athletic, like how Justin Herbert and Josh Allen is, where it's like he actually has... He's getting contained, and he's working through the pass rush and making plays with his feet to get guys open downfield, which is like, that's the most impressive thing to see, I think, right now, with the young quarterbacks coming in with no training camp and no preseason. Yeah. Being as effective as they are. Well, and like, you know, as Chargers and Browns fans here, we, we have a similar situation where Tyrod Taylor was our starter when our rookie <laughs> QB came in. And just watching both teams, like, especially in Baker's rookie year and this year for Herbert. I love Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. But 
he puts handcuffs on your offense. It's like he can't throw a ball more than 10 yards. Yeah. And so when you get in a guy who's more comfortable pushing the ball downfield, you just see the way the offense opens up, like the same way the Browns did in Baker's rookie year. Yeah, that Thursday night game against the Jets. Because the week before, they played the Saints in his rookie year. Um, And... I remember watching that game. There were so many missed opportunities, and we're like, we're going to lose this game. And then Tyrod ripped that bomb downfield. I forget if it was to Jarvis Landry or whatever. I mean, it was two years ago. But he basically pulls one right out of the hat, makes it a close game. We go to overtime. Then we lost like three games that year by a point or less, all because we couldn't didn't have a kicker. It was like yeah. Zane Gonzalez and like, I don't know, name your scapegoat. But now... Somehow Cody Parkey's getting it done for us right now. But yeah, Tyrod is like the most unlucky guy when it comes to... Because usually it's like with Fitzpatrick, with Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami, he is like the true transition quarterback, but they're actually going to give him a year before they throw the other guy in. Because he's a solid enough player, he's a bit of a gunslinger, and he's going to give you a chance to win a game. Tyrod is like what you were saying, completely handcuffs the explosiveness of your offense because he's more of a cautious player. And it's like, you know, maybe there's a little inside job going in with that uh, needle to the chest to take I mean, <laughs> you know, as a Chargers fan, I can say that the medical staff is just horrible always. So that didn't surprise me at all. I mean, even right now we have like 11 of 22 starters down. Yeah. Oh, jeez, man. So it's... It, and it's always been like that. Like, look at the last five years. The Chargers have never had a healthy start to any season. Right. Dude, they're so unlucky. I feel like every... Because I'm always like... You're always rooting for your buddies' teams sure. a little bit. Unless it's the Steelers or the Ravens. Oh, God. But, um... But with the Chargers, they're always so unlucky. It'll be like, this is the year they're going to do it. And then it's like it's like Antonio Gates would be out. Or it's like they yeah. trade Vincent Jackson away. Or Melvin Ingram. Did he tear his ACL one year? Um, Yeah, I think so. Derwin James got injured. Derwin James is out for the second straight year before oh, even man. playing. I think, I think he played one game last year and no games this year. And it's yeah. just like... It, yeah, it's just frustrating because they draft so well. They got they've always had a lot of talent. Like ever since I've been a Chargers fan, they've been loaded with talent. But mm-hmm. they just can never stay healthy or put it together or close out games in the fourth quarter. It's just right. well, that I mean, that's honestly like gotta go to say something about the medical team too because it's like you can draft duds who get injured a lot. Like that's just gonna happen no matter what. It's how the game goes. Sometimes you just get unlucky when you don't draft the right guy. Um, and sometimes even when you draft the right guy, it's just like they're always going to be injured. I mean, it's like when you look back at your university football career and you see the inner workings of like the next level of football, because in high school, you don't really have medical teams, especially in Canada. Yeah. It's like we didn't even have <clears throat> trainers. We didn't have a medical staff in any way. There's like the city hired person who's sitting in the middle. And it's like, oh, your finger's facing the wrong direction. It's like, just tape it and get out of the game. It's like there's no there's no real rhyme or reason to it. But it's like, you know, 
I was part of a somewhat dysfunctional team. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. But it's like you see things going on in the medical room or the training staff or behind closed doors where it's like coaches might be pushing to get a player back. And it's like they don't want the truth in the medical report. They want to hear what they want to hear so they can get their guys out there on the field because it's the health of their players is like a reflection of their tenure for sure with and, the team and it has a lot to do with strength and conditioning too i think that's probably more the case with the chargers than it is the medical staff itself mm-hmm. it's like i don't know about at york but at mcmaster we had one year with one strength coach who pushed get big get strong get fast that's the thing that matters the most yeah and then we get to like our flexibility assessments and no one could move around. And then we st- everyone starts pulling hamstrings when we get into spring camp and like right. soft tissue injuries like crazy. And I think that's, that's what you see with these like injury prone teams mm-hmm. is like their strength coaches haven't gotten caught up to the current state of like strength training and the importance of flexibility to avoid these like soft tissue injuries. Right. And that's the weirdest thing is like, you think all things are equal. It's like, well, they all must know. It's like, no, it's like the Oakland Raiders played on a baseball field for like 25 years. (laughs) And then it's like, meanwhile, it's like you have everyone complaining about like MetLife stadium, which is maybe 10 years old about it's like oh the turf is causing all these injuries and this and that it's like dude at york we literally we had a we were a bigger soccer school than anything we had an amazing soccer program we had all the wops coming out of vaughn i'm italian i can say it don't cancel me um but we had a good team and it's the they wanted the field to be a soccer field essentially so they're they didn't have the underlayer of like the extra bounce because it would make the soccer ball bounce too much and um so we had our field was like hard as rock and we would always have like non-contact acl injuries like serious shin splints like i remember i was like popping for extra strength tylenol or advil whichever one it is before every single practice and that was like on the low end of a lot of things and that's like that is just like a football thing but in terms of like shin splints it's like it's such a minor little thing and you hear about it with like that stuff is debilitating yeah it just like it it adds up right it's like yeah you can deal with shin splints for like a week and then you know goes away but like if you're dealing with that through a whole season especially at your position like you play receiver yeah that that has to like kind of give you trouble when you're trying to get in and out of breaks and stuff like that yeah i always remember it was like the pain would really kick in so i would never do them for some reason when we do like our back pedal in warm-up because like that's something everyone does it would hurt the most during back pedal <laughs> so i just run straight and all the receivers would do it we just like jog 10 yards when everyone was doing that part uh but yeah it was, it was the worst but um anyways going on to Tom Brady. He's back. Buccaneers. Swashbuckler. Squawk. <laughs> Gotta get Polly on the mic. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I watched the the Chargers-Bucks game, and, you know, Tom Brady in the first half kind of was playing to all the critics that had been kind of poking at him the first few weeks mm-hmm. and saying, you know, he's lost it. He's, he was a system guy in, in New England. Yeah. And then the second half, he just 
he came out and was Tom Brady. Yeah. Like the ball placement could not have been better. He was yeah. he was hitting guys in stride. Like that seemed to OJ Howard was like that was such a dime. It was like right on the money. Gronk made a crazy contested catch at one point too. So it, it actually that, the, seems the deep pass to Scotty Miller was like one of the most perfect throws yeah. I've ever seen. It was right in the breadbasket, didn't miss a stride. Like mm-hmm. it, it was a beautiful throw. And Tom Brady is not going anywhere for for this season, I don't think. It. No, because I think, like, with so much with New England, I think there's... I read Ian O'Connor's book, like, about Belichick, and I think there's a ton of ego. That's another thing people don't realize. The amount... The amount... Um, the amount of, like, dysfunction that is created by ego is unbelievable and people don't think like at that level or in the college level there's ego it's like ego is more rampant at that level than anything because it's all based on like who is creating the wins who are we attributing the wins to the medical staff has an ego they want to be right all the time like they they argue with coaches in dysfunctional teams the head coaches themselves, they disagree with their assistant coaches. The assistant coaches are subordinate to the head coaches because they have an ego, and it bleeds down to the players. And not that, obviously, the Patriots are not a dysfunctional organization, but there is ego within the system as well, and that played into Brady leaving. Well, yeah, it's it's always been like, who's the reason they've won six Super Bowls? Is it Brady or is it Belichick? Right, and I think... So far through this season, you can look at both teams and go, oh, they were equal parts. Yeah, absolutely. They're, I don't think you can just say it was one or the other. No. It was a perfect head coach QB pairing. Yeah, it was amazing. And I th- like. I hope... I mean, I'm. everyone's all... It's like with LeBron in the finals right now. There's the portion of the people that hate on the guy and whatever. And it's like, I'm a Cleveland fan, like I said. So I'm like a love-hate thing with him. But... Um, now that Brady's out of the conference, I love him. Yeah. You know, now that he's not in the AFC, we don't have to deal with him in the playoffs. I, I am I, I'm all about Brady. Yeah, I mean, he's that, the best quarterback to ever play. For sure. You know? hot, hot take. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. I would never have admitted that <laughs> right. before he left because it's still such yeah. a direct Yes. You know, I've I, the Chargers have lost to the Patriots in the playoffs like five times. Yeah, so I, I've had, I've never had any stake. I'm just like, oh, he's the best. The Browns suck. They win three yeah. times every ten years, in general. You know, so it's <laughs> like I've never had anything. Like I've always liked Brady, and it's you want to see the legend continue, continue on is what I mean. It's like with LeBron. Our generation wants to see him surpass Michael Jordan in some way. So there's people rooting for him to win. There's also people rooting for him to lose because there's the haters and whatever. But it's like people want to see greatness and want to see legacy and want to be able to go back 10 years from now and be like, Sonny, you don't know. You know know what I mean? Whoever that player that comes up, if Zion ends up becoming that, you'll be like, oh, you have no idea what LeBron was like. Right, and that's the thing is like... Our age group, we never watched guys like Montana or Marino or anything. Mm. Like Brady has been the best quarterback for as long as I've been watching football. Yeah, like literally since they won the first Super Bowl against yeah. the Rams. They've... Like it's been Brady and Manning, and then now you're starting to see a changing of the guard with like those the young quarterbacks that have come in. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, which is it's an exciting time to be a football fan to watch like all these young QBs that are actually good. Yeah. Cuz there was like a really long drought. Of, yeah. Like there was that 2004 draft and then there was like no 
like legit quarterbacks for a really long time. Yeah, because I remember I forget what year it was. What year was Tannehill drafted? Twenty. 11 like that Jake Locker draft yeah and, and everyone like, was like this is Blaine Gabbert yeah. yeah everyone was like this is one of the deepest drafts like this could be like the 86 like I forget when whenever Marino was drafted yeah they're like it was like Marino Elway I think it's 84 okay well yeah whenever it was they're like this is gonna be like that in terms of depth at quarterback and it's like no, those guys are all trash. Jake Locker's retired. Blaine Gabbert. I don't even know where that guy he's, is. He's, he's the a backup, backup in, in Jacksonville? Tampa. In Tampa. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's, okay. he's Tom Brady's yeah, backup. He's in Florida. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's like that whole crew of guys are nowhere. But I honestly think, like, the Patty Mahomes year. Like, who else was drafted in with him? Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Trubisky. Trubisky, yeah, who's, like, a miss. If he was a second or third rounder, people, like, he'd probably still be starting, realistically. Yeah, because he's not he's not horrible. He's just not the second overall pick. And yeah. he never should have been. Like, he started, what, nine games in his college career and then got drafted second overall? Yeah, so, yeah, he played like, one season. And he played in the ACC. Like, it's there's just not enough film against top-level competition on yeah. Trubisky to warrant a second overall pick. Yeah, it's like you literally play Clemson and Florida State, and that's basically yeah. all you're going And I'm against. pretty sure he got smoked by both of them. Probably <laughs> probably did. Um, they dabbo Sweeney'd on him. That's pretty good. Uh, we're going to cut that one out. <laughs> no, no, we're going to keep that one in. Uh, we're keeping the immigrant one in, too. Um, so moving on, the NFC East. Should I say the NFC least? (laughs) (laughs) They're the worst. Right now, we got the Philadelphia Eagles in first place at 1-2-1. That division is so... They they are like what the AFC West was 10 years ago. Maybe not 10... Oh, sorry, the NFC West. NFC West. NFC West was trash for the longest time. Where teams were winning the division at like seven and nine and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, it's like the NFC NFC East has been doing that like for a couple of years now. I mean, like what's probably the Eagles the year they won the Super Bowl? What were they eleven and five or something? No, like that? they were like they were like really good. I think they were like twelve and four, maybe thirteen and three, even. Yeah. Like they were the number one seed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's like, but I mean, Carson Wentz is. And I don't know if it's just because of where we are in Canada that, like, you get all these NFC East fans, but, like, it is just so annoying to hear people go on about these teams that are not good. Yeah. Like, one of my best friends, our mutual friend, is diehard Cowboys fan. He's been for life. And we watched the game yesterday at my place. I was, like, soaking it in. Just the fact that the Browns put 300 yards rushing on them but it's just like i mean he's a realist too he's like we suck he literally bet me his mercedes yeah he has a mercedes he's like i'll shake because i was convinced that the brands are gonna blow once the comeback started i was like they're gonna blow he's like no they're not the cowboys are gonna lose if the cowboys win this game i'll give you my car and we shook (laughs) on it that's how realistic we both are but i mean i got I mean, it was a win-win for me either way, but I, I, I'll take a Browns win over a Mercedes, to be honest. Um, really? <laughs> I got to get my license back. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Gee. One. But um, yeah, the, the NFC East, like, you see the quarterbacks in it, and they're young, promising quarterbacks, but none of them, I mean, Dak is putting up huge numbers, but mostly because he's playing 
from 30 points down. And yeah. He just has to throw it all over. Like, he threw 58 passes against yeah. the Browns. You know, that is not... That's not how you win football games. No. And That's it, how you win, like, football games in Madden. Yeah, honestly. And it's like... If Grant Delpit, the safety we drafted from LSU, wasn't injured and we didn't have friggin' Andrew Sandejo in there, like he probably would have got picked off four times. There there was like four or five dropped interceptions right in the Browns' hands. Is um, uh is uh Ronnie Harrison starting yet for the Browns? Um I think he was in the rotation yesterday. Because I think once he gets the defense down and he starts getting playing time, he's a really talented guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's a he could be a really good piece for that secondary. Yeah, but Grant Delpit, that was probably, like, the biggest thing that was sad about training camp, like, one of the injuries. I think he's going to be, like, he's going to be a dog. Like, well, yeah, he's you guys rangy. stole him in the draft. Like, so his second or third round is, like, someone like that from a national championship team who's, like, dominated in the SEC all year last year is, like... That's such a steal. The Browns have been drafting so well. I'm not going to keep talking about the Browns because that'll get annoying. But um, <laughs> This is the Cleveland Browns podcast. Yeah, I, I mean, at least we're not to try it. Oh. oh. Yeah, Joe has a note there that just says Detroit sucks. Yeah. That's the only note for the, for this segment. I mean, there's really nothing else to say about that. Matt Patricia is going to be out in two more losses. Probably. Yeah, I, I, that makes sense. I just, I feel bad because I really love Matt Stafford. I know. I, I am such a Matt Stafford fan, like, and he just has never had a good team around him. No, I they mean, done him Calvin such a, Johnson. Yeah, but one receiver doesn't make your team a good team. Yeah. Like, well, that's why Calvin Johnson retired at 29 or 30, is because yeah. he's like, I'm sick of losing, man. Yeah, and when, it, when it, things go on like that, it's like you realize that, it's so much more than just the coach in your roster. There's things that it's like the this is the last thing I'm gonna say about the brands for today, but it's they've been inherently bad for so long because it starts from the top down. When you have bad ownership, when you're in university and you have a bad athletic director <laughs> um, and you have a bad athletic director, it goes on and it trickles down all the way through the coaching staff, through the general managers, and into the roster. It starts from the top down and it's like these organizations, Detroit has been bad forever because of those reasons. It's a front office issue. It's like they had Jim Caldwell. They were a decent enough contender. And then they go with Matt Patricia to try and do the Patriots way, which never seems to work. I mean, there's been extensive stuff on Bill Belichick's coaching tree versus someone like Andy Reid, who's like yeah. a true teacher. It's like Belichick's the greatest coach ever. But, like, all the defensive guys that come through New England are running Belichick's system. Exactly. That's the thing. It's it's not their own unique system. And so they take it, they take the success that they got from New England, go to a new team, and try and create their own system similar to New England's. But no one does it like Belichick. Right. And so they all fizzle out. Right. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll just have three no-name running backs, and uh, we'll dump it off to them. We'll get our tight ends going. Like, It's like they think there's a blueprint for the Belichick way when there isn't. He plays to his players' strengths more than yeah. anything. It's and, like And you watch the Patriots play and they their scheme is different every single week. Right. They will change they'll go from they'll flip the whole defense upside down depending on who they're playing and that's why they they're so good. Right. 
Well, it's like look at the span from when the Patriots got shocked, the world was shocked when Eli Manning and the Giants beat them back in 07. You look at that team, they had Randy Moss as like they were an all-out passing team. Tom Brady threw 50 touchdowns from that to their last Super Bowl run and you can say, "Oh, Tom Brady got old and blah 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 blah." No. They weren't going to throw that many times because they didn't have that weapon, so they didn't play to that strength. They had James James White was the Super Bowl MVP, and they had Gronk. They were running a double tight end set where Gronk was basically a road grading blocking tight end. It's like they learned how to play to their strength based on who they had in that moment, and that you know they're like running through Rex Burkhead, James White, name, a, yeah, you know, like I don't think they had Legarrette Blunt that year, but. Did they? Last year? No, no. On their last Super Bowl run. No. No. That was like... It was like the, 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 the one before. before. Yeah. Whatever. But, um, yeah. And it's... that's the thing. Like, Belichick changes his system to fit his guys instead of, like, forcing his guys to fit his system. And that's something that so many coaches don't do. Right. Because and... there's ego. That's what we were talking about earlier. The ego involved in this is my system and we're going to run it this way and it's going to be pro style, air raid, blah, blah, blah. It's like people want to get the credit for the victory. They want to be able to be pointed back to and be like, oh, coach, your scheme is you're you're an offensive mastermind. You're a defensive animal. You're a Chuck Knoll. You're a Tom Landry. It's like, well, well you look at the Bears, like the Bears two years ago when they had success with Trubisky, mm-hmm. Trubisky made the pro. Yeah, they were like the number two seed in the NFC, I think, Mm -hmm. because Nagy made the offense around what Trubisky does well. RPO one read throw, if not, just get rid of it or run it. Right. And then the next year, Nagy is like, okay, now we're going to open it up and run my KC system. I want to run an intricate offense with a quarterback who can throw it all around the yard and make these reads. And then Trubisky sucked. Right, exactly. And... You know, it's it's sad, you know, shout out Mentor Ohio, our boy Trubisk, but it's like, it's sad to see someone who's promising where you can build them up slowly, where it's like instead, okay, we're going back to the Browns. I said I was going to oh, do it, but I am. <laughs> Baker Mayfield's rookie year throws 22, uh, sorry, 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. They were decently run heavy. Nick Chubb was a rookie as well. Um, they had, uh, what's his name? From, uh, I forget the running back that they had, but they ended up trading him away because Nick Chubb ended up being oh, a beast. Oh, Duke Johnson. No, it was, um, it was, it wasn't Ben Tate. Um, whatever. You're like, you're like 10 years in Yeah, the past I know. <laughs> I totally forget. But basically, it was like that same thing as like heavy play action. You know, Freddie Kitchens had a lot of motion going on when he was the offensive coordinator, and they had a lot of success because the biggest they, mistake ever was not keeping Greg Williams as the head coach and Freddie Kitchens as the OC. Yeah. That that was a disciplined, hard-nosed football team. Uh, they were like two weeks away from putting bounties on people, though, because that's going on again in New York. Still. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I'll take a couple broken kneecaps for a few wins. But, um, you know, it's like... And then compared to the next year, Freddie Kitchens becomes the head coach. Baker Mayfield, I think he had like 530 passing attempts. Russell Wilson didn't throw the ball more than 500 times in a season until like his fourth or fifth year. 
They won a Super Bowl in his second year, did they not? Or was it second or third year? I forget. I think it was his second year. Yeah. And so they were playing to his strengths. Pete Carroll wasn't going to expect him to throw the ball 40 times a game. He was like, we're going to throw it 20 times a game. We're going to pound the rock with Marshawn Lynch. And we're going to play hard-nosed defense. And, like, that's the formula for winning football games, especially with a young quarterback. And offensively, actually, like, now that you mention it, the Browns are kind of built in that Seattle, early Seattle mold. Mm-hmm. Like that 2013-2014 Seattle mold. Yeah. Where they've got a really good running game. They've, they've got talented receivers, but they're not asking the quarterback to go out there and throw it 50 times and win a game. For sure. I think that's the biggest thing. It's, like, the fact that they have these weapons, it makes them be like, what's going on? Is there trouble in paradise? It's like... No, if this was Golden Tate, who was a relatively, like, unknown guy back in the day, like, he really, you know, earned his respect by playing lights out through the playoffs all those years. But it's like they had him. I, I, I can't even really remember a lot of the guys. Like, like Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin, yeah. Like, all those guys. They, Luke Wilson... Um, not the actor. Uh, <laughs> but it's like they had all those guys... And you didn't hear a lot about like, oh, because they don't demand the looks that an Odell Beckham does or even a Jarvis Landry. So there's no speculation. Yeah, they're just not the same like marquee name, you know? Right. Odell Beckham is such a celebrity. Right. It's like if he's not getting 100 yards, people are like, oh, Baker and Odell hate each other. Right. Which is like, you know, week one, I was buying into that as a fan. I'm like, we got to get him out of here. It's like, we need to beef up. I was like, basically, we need to trade him for some more linebackers because Mac Wilson was out, but he's back now. But, um, I mean, we went on a tangent, but Detroit sucks, and Matt Patricia is going to be fired in two weeks. That's my hot take. Um, Who gets fired first, Dan Quinn or Matt Patricia? Matt Patricia. Dan Quinn went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, but Dan Quinn has coached himself into a really deep hole right now for sure okay i was having this conversation i forget with who but we were talking about being a coach and then your players playing i understand that like when sometimes when you make a coaching switch you can have the exact same roster and go from three wins to ten sometimes it's just a change in scenery and having your coach around it's like we've seen that in the oua before it's like you know, Waterloo gets a new coach, has one good recruiting class, and then it's like they end up being a top 10 team in yeah. the country um, for, you know, a couple of years. But so it's like, yes, a coach can make those changes, but it also comes to the point like in the Super Bowl when Atlanta blew that wild 28 to 3 lead, you can point to a couple plays that are individual mistakes that people make on the field, like Devontae Freeman missing that yeah, law. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. strip sack. And that's why they didn't fire him after the Super Bowl. Right. You know, but then you look at the last two years after the Super Bowl and the start they've had to this year. Right. It's obvious that something isn't working. For sure. You know, like, I'm sure Dan Quinn is a great coach. Yeah. But again, like you said, sometimes it's just a, you know, a change of scenery. And, like, the, the comeback... Losses like you can't blame Dan Quinn for the onside kick right in Dallas, but you can. But then again, you can maybe blame you can. The, you can blame the coaching for letting teams back in like that. Right, right. That's kind of like when a basketball team's on a run, you got to call a timeout, yeah. get your boys in, recalibrate, and cut the momentum from the other team. So I get that in that sense, but you know, like going back to that Super Bowl, I know it's like it's been years since now, but it's like. 
Matt Ryan takes a sack on that drive, knocks him out of field goal range. Devontae Freeman misses a block. They get strip sacked. It's like there's all these little things that come, and that's what makes football so crazy is there's, you know, there's a hundred variables yeah. going on at each time. There's refs that can affect the outcome of a game. You miss a block here. It's a chain reaction. It's the butterfly effect every single play. Yeah. And, um, but I don't know, man. I, I would still say Patricia has got to go first because I think he, he hasn't had his locker room since last year. Like, I don't get why he wasn't fired last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in his first year, was last year his first year or his second year? Mm, Jamie, look that up. Um, <laughs> Anyways, whatever. He, he is not the guy that to change Detroit's fortunes at no, all. No, the guy's got a laminated play call sheet with a pencil behind his ear. You can't draw on that thing. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you get you get the white boy, whiteboard marker. Um but that's beside the fact. So that's the biggest issue, Joey. Right. Joey is the owner of the Detroit Lions and fires Matt Patricia <laughs> for having a pencil. Yeah, uh, sir. Do you realize that you can't draw on plastic with a pencil? Whatever. <laughs> so tonight, Atlanta and Green Bay play, and the KC New England game is on after that. So it's a doubleheader Monday night. It's pretty beautiful. Um, who do you got, Atlanta or Green Bay? After talking Dan Quinn. It's, I mean, it's Green Bay, and it's. I think it's Green Bay by a mile, to be honest. I know the Falcons have a lot of talent. Yeah. But I don't think Julio Jones is playing. Yeah. And I just think Aaron Rodgers has, like, been so good and efficient this year. Mm-hmm. You know, Aaron Jones is a beast. Yeah. Their defense is really, really good, which is like the first time since the Packers Super Bowl run that you can actually say that they have a really good defense. Yeah. So I think I think it's Green Bay. I mean, I don't know about the score. I'll I'll just go on a limb and say 35-21. 35-21. Okay, okay. I'm looking up the point spread right now. Let's see this. I want to see the favorite. Okay, you need uh, riff for a second. Riff while I look this up. What's the deal with airplane food? Oh, God. It's not airplanes. Stop riffing. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Cal Rifkin Jr. <laughs> um, okay, so Pat... Uh, frig off CBS Sports. Phil Sims. More like... Uh, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Green Bay's favorited minus six. Are you taking Atlanta to cover the spread? No. No? Oh, man. So what was your score prediction, sir? I, I had them winning by 14, but I'll take, I'll take Green Bay by more than six points, no question. I'm going to say Atlanta covers the spread. Because, dude, I think it's kind of like how Seattle always plays down. I think Atlanta's a good enough team to play up. It's like they'll have leads, they'll blow them and lose by a field goal. But I don't think they're like a bad team that's going to get blown out by another bad team. Yeah, but part of me has to think like the the locker room morale in Atlanta must be just like brutal. Right. Like they've blown three huge leads in three weeks. Right. But I think maybe they could be looking. It's like, oh, Julio's out and all that. They're like, boys, we're going to get back on the train once we're healthy. I don't know. I don't really know. But I don't know. Todd Gurley needs to have a real big game. I think they need to establish. I don't like that pickup in the offseason either. I think Todd Gurley was kind of a. It's, a bit it's of a like reach. a flashy signing. It's like yeah. cool for jersey sales and stuff, but right. I don't know. Yeah, I think. 
I think going younger and going with someone who's, or even just drafting a guy like mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde. By the way, sorry, it wasn't Ben Tate. It was Carlos Hyde that the Browns signed right. and then they cut him. That yeah. was it. By going back, draft a guy. It's like, yeah, there was so much value in this year's running back draft too. It was like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, thirty yeah, second pick, and late too though. Like into yeah. the into like the third round, there were still top tier guys, right. right? Like, yeah, this was a super deep draft, and so many good receivers came off the board too. Okay, KC New England. Um, Cam is out with COVID. Right, so it's Brian Hoyer, the destroyer. Is Best. it Hoyer or Stidham? It's Hoyer from oh. last thing that I saw. Maybe it's changed by now, but Brian Hoyer, best year the Browns have had since 07. They went 7-9 and nine or 6-10, and 10, I forget. Brian Hoyer is another guy that like is, is Fitzpatrick style. You know, he's, he's good enough to get you through a few weeks. And yeah, he's just not a slinger, but I think if it's like if you establish the run, which... New England basically always can. It's like he's pretty good off of play action. So, and their passing game is so like they throw to the running back so much right. that you can you can kind of plug a guy in and make do. I right. Um, I want to see the line for that now that Cam Newton is out. Okay. Um, Patriots Chiefs Chiefs minus ten and a half. Do the Patriots cover the spread? I don't know, but I will. I will. <laughs> go, I don't think so. I don't think they will. But I will go out on a limb and say Pat Mahomes throws two picks tonight. Okay. All right. That's something. That's something. I think they still win by more than eleven points, but Pat Mahomes throws two picks, probably early. Hmm. Okay. This one has them at eleven and a half. Um. But I'm gonna say. Uh, I don't know. You can never count out Belichick. That's why I said I don't know. Like, their defense can still play tough when they want to. And, you know, Belichick is going to come in with a good, like, game plan. Yeah. I think so. Okay. I'm going to go for Atlanta Green Bay 34-30 Green Bay. Okay. Casey, New England. I'm going to go... I'm going 28-17, Casey, New England. I'm going 30... 30... 30 to 24, Kansas City. Okay. Yeah. All That's right. what I'm going to go That's what I'm going to go Okay, we're in the last segment here for our little kickoff episode. It's the quarterly predictions. Um, oh, damn it. I, All right. I crap through, myself. Through four weeks, Joe. <laughs> who do you got? Okay. Rookie of the year candidate. I'm somewhere in between the two. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. I think his first, his game against the Browns, he threw the ball 63 times through three touchdowns. I think he's going off. I think him and T. Higgins are like already kind of like creating their version of the Andy Dalton, A.J. Green effect. I think they're going to be really good together. Um, so I'm going to go Joe Burrow, Rookie of the Year. How about you? That's offensive. Yeah, honestly, I think I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I think it's going to be between Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll come down to whoever gets more wins. So, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but I'm going to go with Justin Herbert here. I think that's 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 a good point when it comes down to wins. I think Burroughs had a 
couple more like of the flashy plays, which definitely, he's had like moments, yeah, you know, where you go, oh my god. But honestly, I've watched all the Chargers games this year, and Herbert has had some of those moments too. He makes some definitely. throws that make you go like. Shit, okay, this guy's the real deal. Well, and too, it's like his first start came on literally a minute's notice yeah. because they jabbed Tyrod Taylor I in the chest. That, I think that played to his advantage, to be honest. It, you didn't have time for nerves to settle in. Right. Honestly. Honestly, dude. It's like I remember one time in House League <laughs> way back in the day. I Don't did, do this. I, I had to go in a quarterback. <laughs> Don't do had this. Had about 30 yards rushing and then threw a bomb for an interception to end our season. Yeah, but, I remember know, that. I, I had no time for nerves. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Hadn't even ever taken a snap before. Whatever, though. You know, was, you know, both wristbands, same day. That's, okay. That's a story right. from my biography. Yeah. But, uh, whatever. Okay. MVP. Let's go defensive and offensive. Who you got defensive MVP this year? All right, so we're going MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, so MVP overall, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. All right, so MVP, it's Russell Wilson. Through four weeks, it's not even close. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, in terms of yardage, Dak might be in there, but they're not going to win enough. I'm going, I'm going Russ Will, too. Defensive Player of the Year, who you got? I I mean I hate to give you this one, but it's it's Justin Garrett for me or Miles Garrett. Who the hell is Justin Garrett? You're thinking Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett. <laughs> Miles Garrett is going to win the DPOI. He's just been unstoppable, and I, like every time he gets a sack, he gets a strip sack. Yeah, that that's a difference arms. maker, right? Like that's yeah. that's points for the Browns. Yeah, they they're second in the league on points off of turnovers, literally because of Miles Garrett. Either his pressure or an actual strip sack. Um, I'm going Miles Garrett as well. If he, as long as he doesn't bash anyone's head in, he's he's got this. Uh, He's in great shape to win this award. Mason Rudolph had it coming, let me tell you. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> offensive player of the year. Right now, I think we might have the same thing. I'm looking at your sheet. Um, I'm going Josh Allen, offensive player of the year, or Alvin Kamara. Yeah, so I we we're kind of on the same page with that. No pun intended. Oh. Um, Alvin Kamara has been unbelievable, but I just I don't know if his rushing stats are going to be like that because Latavius Murray is still the guy like he's, he's getting a lot of carries. Yeah, because but, they're using Kamara in the past game more. Well, yeah, Michael Alvin Kamara is the is the fourth best fantasy wide receiver right now. Right, like his receiving stats would put him at wide receiver four. Right, so he's you can't look at him like a conventional running back. You kind of got to be like this is just an offensive weapon. And the way he's been playing is carrying the Saints without Mike Thomas right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so who's your pick for sure? Opy. Um, I'll go with Kamara. I love Josh Allen, but I'll go with Kamara just to get away from quarterbacks because yeah. I hate when quarterbacks get that award. They always do, man. The year, okay, the biggest robbery. This is the biggest robbery. Cha cha cha! Give me your money. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, cut. Just <laughs> on the website. Um. Biggest robbery ever for MVP was Aaron Rodgers when he threw thirty-six touchdowns. Great year. J.J. Watt played tight end, D.N., led the league in sacks, and had, like, four touchdowns. Yeah. That was the worst 
That was the worst botch ever, and that's like what you're saying about quarterbacks always winning these awards. It's so frustrating. It's like well, like even a couple years ago, I, I wanted Aaron Donald to win the MVP award because he was the best player in the league, and it wasn't close. And right. I can't remember who got it. Like, right. I think right. it was was it Tom Brady or something. It, what year was that? It was two years ago. It doesn't matter. Doesn't Aaron matter. Donald didn't win the award. Right. Mm, I forget. It wasn't Patty Mahomes, was it? Patty Mahomes did win two years ago, but then it was the year before that because Patrick Mahomes definitely deserved the MVP. Yeah. All right. Okay. Final, final part. We got the Super Bowl. Whoa, hold on. We still got defensive rookie. Whoa. Let's hear it. All right. I'm going Chase Young, even though he has been injured and if he if he you know is kind of hampered by injuries this year my my second guy is Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm. I think he's been really really good for that Tampa defense which is unbelievably good. Levante David, your Devin White, brother. Devin White yeah. like they 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 have a really good defense even their corners like Carlton Davis and yeah. they're they're a talented team. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go Chase Young too. I don't I think pass rushers have such an advantage winning that award because they have a chance to affect the play every single time. Yeah. It's like as a defensive back, you have to have like a you be lucky. Someone kinda... has to throw the ball to- at you, right? Right. Yeah. Even if you lock someone down, they just don't go towards yeah. you. Your name's never getting called. So I'm going to go Chase Young based off of purely his effect. They, he can have play-by-play, but... These damn award biases in the NFL. I know. I know. I know. Yeah, you're always right. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's go Super Bowl picks to cap it off. Who you got? Okay, let's do AFC Championship, NFC Championship, because I'm sure our picks are pretty close here. All right, well, I didn't prepare for that. Uh-oh. Okay, you go first. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go NFC Championship. I'm going Seattle-Tampa Bay, NFC Championship. Ooh. And then I'm going to go AFC Championship, Kansas City-Pittsburgh. I got Seattle versus Pittsburgh for the Super Bowl. I think Pittsburgh is legit in their back. Roethlisberger has one more year. They always draft amazing receivers. Chase Claypool's going off. Canadian. Um, I think he's an animal. And just overall, they're a solid team. James Conner's a good running back. They have a great O-line every year. They're pounded the rock. And Juju. They have Juju Smith-Schuster still, who's like just a solid possession receiver. I think they're a team that's honestly built for the postseason. Tough, hard-nosed I mean, yeah, you, team. I love their experience. Defense. I love their defense. I just, I don't know. For some reason, I'm not buying into Pittsburgh this year. Why is that? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Roethlisberger's a bit of a freak, but that Will Ferrell-looking mf'er. <laughs> I don't know. Even though he's in my division, I, like my division, I play for the Browns. Um, <laughs> even though he's in... Hold on, are you a Browns fan? Eh, I don't think we mentioned yeah. it. Um, honestly, dude, I hate to admit it, but I just, I really think this is... I think every quarterback has that kind of swan song moment. Yeah. I don't even think Brady's there. I think Brady still has like four more years legit to play. Um, but I think this is kind of Roethlisberger's last hurrah. Maybe two more years, but if they win the Super Bowl, I think they could be. He might retire this year, but I got I got Pittsburgh going to the Super Bowl, and yeah, Seattle Pittsburgh. That's my pick. All right, my pick is 
I think it's going to be the Jets and the Lions. Whoa! <laughs> Patricia on the comeback <laughs> tour. Uh, no, so AFC Championship, I'm going to go with Kansas City and Buffalo. I really like Buffalo. I think they're putting it together. Okay. I think they can make a deep playoff run, upset some people. I see how you honkies pick your picks. Yeah, and then Seattle, uh, NFC Championship, I'm going Seattle-Green Bay. Seattle-Green Bay. Oh, that's a good one, too. It's a good and, one too. And then Super Bowl, Kansas City, Seattle. I just think both those teams are too good. They've got the experience. They've got great head coaches. But again, this is just the first quarter of the season, and injuries have a lot to do with it. So yeah. it just depends who stays healthy and who gets healthy at the right time. And you know, but Kansas City, Seattle is my okay. Super Bowl pick. Okay, this is the hottest take. Final part: Who wins the Super Bowl? What's the score? We'll, we'll review this. It's really early. 18 weeks down the road. Um, As much as I hate Kansas City, I'm going Kansas City to repeat 24-21 against Seattle. Okay. I'm going Pittsburgh 27-24 over Seattle. Ooh. Yeah, that's who I'm going with. Sorry, Seattle fans. Squawk. <laughs> Call up Antifa. They might be able to help you. No, you're going to cut that All out. Right. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> well, Let's not get political uh, on this thing. Gump 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Bubba are running. Oh, all right. Oh, God. We're canceled. Um, all right. Well, this was a good time. It went a lot better. I thought we were going to have to re-record 50 times, but this was the first take. Not the show. Oh. They suck. <laughs> Skip. No, Skip. no, no, no. That's, that's, uh. Oh, that's, sorry. That's first things first, or. No, that's, um, undisputed. 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 First that... take is Max and Stephen Max a. Kellerman is the worst. Stephen A, you just scream. His video yesterday of him eating the chocolate chip cookie was pretty funny. I don't I know if you saw it. He was laughing at the Cowboys, it. but <laughs> whatever. All right, so yeah, it was a good time, and, uh, we, we don't know what we're gonna call this thing yet, but... Thanks to all two of you for listening. And it's probably both of us. Yeah. Woo-wee! <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Teddy Grahams, and Apple. And Riddell. They are. Yeah, they're going to send us some equipment. Um, the next video podcast will be us doing tackling drills at the park. With Kimbo Slice. Rest in peace, baby! <laughs> All right, we out, you. All right. All right. Bye. Peace. Did it stop?